Hello, everyone. This is Andrew Hoffman, Executive Director of NeighborLink and the host of the Neighboring Podcast. I began a series last week on the topic of giving during this pandemic and a discussion with several people about relevant ways an individual or family can donate and the impact those dollars can have. If you're still looking for new ways to donate right now, give that podcast a listen. Since then, I've heard a number of creative and personal ways families are donating right now, which is uh, always great to hear. We've also had a really large community fundraising effort led by the Community Foundation of Greater Fort Wayne during Giving Tuesday Now this week. It had a matching opportunity almost every hour that helped raise over $725,000 for over 100 area nonprofits and saw over 5,000 gifts uh, this week. It was really engaging and incredible to see. Well, I pick up the conversation with Kristen Giant of Hyper Local Impact and with Andrew Smith, the co-owner of Jump Ditch Brewing Company, a local restaurant here. Kristen is a champion for impact investing and how shopping local has had a huge impact on the livelihoods of business owners and on our local community. Kristen provides context for why we should be focusing as much spending as we can locally right now and some great ideas on how we become investors in the businesses we love through things like pre-buying gift cards. Andrew shares how much business has changed, what's changed, what has been impactful, what they're learning and why building a community with your customers is important to have a chance to survive through this pandemic. Uh, the local restaurant uh, world is hit as much as anyone. And I couldn't imagine having this conversation without hearing from somebody like Andrew. I hope you've been inspired to increase your local shopping in the past couple of months. I know I have from supporting the local hobby shop with my kids uh, to doubling up on locally roasted coffee and making sure we're supporting the local do best at NeighborLink for project materials. Uh, I hope you enjoy this episode with Kristen and Andrew on how our commerce can do good in the community. Well, I wanted to pick up this conversation on uh, giving with my friend Kristen Giant, who is our kind of regional local expert on impact investing, which is gaining an additional kind of increase as people like Kristen and others in our world are exposing the rest of us to something that has been, always been a part of our community and business lexicon. We just needed to think about it a little bit differently. So Kristen, thanks for joining me on uh, this episode of Neighboring. And I wanted to allow you to introduce yourself and kind of the work that you do, but also really kind of frame up a conversation around uh, what is impact investing? And during this time, uh, you're really championing the local business shop smart. How do you how do you help individuals and local businesses, and why that is important? So, uh, welcome to back. Welcome back to neighboring. Thanks, Andrew. Um, yeah, it's exciting to get the chance just to talk to you. Um, I am an extreme extrovert who woke up this morning like it was Christmas because I knew I got to talk to someone's face at 4 p.m. today Yeah, <laughs> that I'm not related to. Um, so thanks for the chance to, to share some. So I launched a consulting firm um, back on April 1st called Hyperlocal Impact. And we, uh, I keep using the royal we, which is embarrassing. It's me. It's just me so far. Um, but the goal is to advance, um, advance money for community good in Fort Wayne. So when we spend to recognize that money is a tool for advancing a relationship or a desire, money on its own, um, I think that we are in sort of a society of money worship, but it only serves a function in regards to a need that we might have, a desire we might have, or a relationship that we might have. 
And so if we take an intentional approach to every single deployment of capital that we, we make as an individual or as a family with, um, with any lens, I mean, my lens is going to be different than your lens is going to be different than my neighbors, but uh, mine is of particular passion about Fort Wayne, Indiana, and about our region and about investing at this hyper-local level, which, um, which means my block, my neighborhood, uh, my city, my region, and, and I know it reflects a lot of the conversations you're having with, neighbor, uh, with neighboring and, of course, at NeighborLink generally. And one thing that I want to say, and then I'll let you kind of steer the conversation, is um, if you're not sick right now and you're not at the hospital and you're not furloughed, um, what you're seeing as emerging problems right now were there two months ago. Yeah, they were there, and that's not to diminish um, not to diminish the tragedy of the illness. That's not at all what I'm intending to do, but to say that this pandemic is really serving as a magnifying glass to um, to issues that were already super super present in our community. And I, I say that as a starting point. Because whatever tools we develop right now, I want to see them stick around when the smoke clears. You know, when we come out in, in a new world, it's not going back to status quo. It's remembering the um, pain and empathy you felt for your neighbors today and carrying that empathy forward no matter what world we emerge in. So the problems were there. The solutions we come up with now, I think we really want to carry with us into the next stage. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Not one that I had uh, anticipated uh, covering in this, but it's really great because that's kind of the way we uh, talk about NeighborLink. When, and what we're seeing as well in terms of social services and how either A, nonprofits are responding right now or how uh, individuals that it has uncovered a pre-existing crisis that was just you know a week away from from being being more public, uh, which gives us all the great opportunity that are working in this space to really capitalize on the opportunity to um, communicate and, and step in. So from a from a local business perspective, yeah. and what does it mean to shop local? Why is that important now more than ever, even though it's still maybe more complicated than ever? Yeah. Um, so the there's a couple of statistics that I think um, mirror some of the statistics from the social services sector that most people probably aren't aware of. And one of them, um, you know, there's the statistic that majority of Americans are one health crisis or um, car crisis away from financial insolvency. Um, there's a statistic that local business owners, so people who um, own, you know, a kind of main street business, the majority of them are 15 days. They have a 15 day safety net. It's, and, and that's, that's not a symptom of poor management or a lack of planning. It's that when you're in these uh, customer facing businesses, you need customers. Yeah. Customers are your lifeblood. And um, there's another group of statistics that are really exciting to me personally from a hyperlocal standpoint about local businesses. And that's the fact that the likelihood that a local business recirculates the money you spend with them locally is significant. 
significantly higher than a um, national chain or a franchise. Franchises do better, local franchises, than national chains, but nobody beats local um, indie retailers and restaurants. So the local recirculation of revenue for a national chain is 13.6%. So if you spend a dollar, 13 cents of that, is that right? Yeah. 13 cents of that is going to come back yeah. into your local economy. Now, if you spend a dollar at an indie retailer or an indie restaurant in your community, 48% of that dollar is going to come back into your community. So 48 cents of every dollar you spend is going to enrich where you live, who you love, the people you want to support. And when you get down into the, um, into break down those uh, percentages a little bit, one of the biggest ones there, and I know that NeighborLink can vouch for this, is charitable giving. So a national chain absolutely has a charitable life, but that charitable life is at the national level, generally speaking. And maybe the founder has a heart for the community they were raised in and they do some specific giving there. But if you go to a silent auction in Fort Wayne, if you go to a corporate, uh, to a gala for a nonprofit in Fort Wayne, the tables, the silent auction items, the auction items, all of them are from our local indie businesses including the local indie businesses that are multinational or international businesses at this point. Um, so it's really about that recirculation and that lifeblood in your community. And I, the 15 days um, is, I think, important right now, because if you haven't visited to go Fort Wayne yet um, on Facebook, you need to. What we're seeing, and I, I'll probably cry when I say this, but... Um, the fog has been blown away for vulnerability from business owners. Local restaurants needed you to order carryout a month ago. They are at home sitting at their kitchen table having crucial conversations every week about yep. whether they can continue to run their business in our market. And their decision paradigm is about loving our community, loving what they do, loving what they sell, loving cooking loving making amazing cocktails, and they're weighing their love for the community against running on this margin that is unforgiving. Um, they're, they're not, I mean, especially food trucks, they're not getting paid six months out of the year. Yeah. Uh, and this, I mean, how this is going to affect food trucks is, I'm excited to see, they tend to be the most ingenious business people. So I'm sure they're going to be doing incredible things in these coming months. But so when I see on Facebook, um, Pint and Slice, for example, they were vulnerable. They put, I, I can't imagine the terror and nervousness that they felt putting out there, we need you. And the response was they sold out of everything in their restaurant, everything. They had to close the next day. And I think recognizing that there's a person behind every indie business that, um, you know, has kids at the same school as your kids, that shops at the same places you shop, that goes to your church, that supports the charities you support, and knowing that they always need you. Um, but our society doesn't often give them a place to be that vulnerable, to say, we need you. And the other half of To Go Fort Wayne that has been blowing my mind is people that are like, I want Mexican, who needs my business the most? Because the degrees of difference between one restaurant and another um, might be negligible. But if there's one restaurant that's really struggling, that's part of the fabric of a neighborhood, um, maybe their salsa doesn't have as much cilantro in it. But ultimately, you're getting two things with your dollar. 
And that's, um, that's how I kind of colloquially describe impact investing is if investing is putting your money to work for one job, which is to make you more money, impact investing is putting your money to work for two jobs to make you money or to have a financial impact on you and to make your community a better place. So that one expenditure at the, the local restaurant that needs you is getting you a return. You're getting delicious food and it's going to give that restaurant five more days, 10 more days, or maybe be the difference between them surviving this bizarre period or not. Yeah, it's helpful. Uh, it's, been, it's been interesting to see um, how people are engaging in a more vulnerable, transparent way. And uh, that's been one of the biggest things that I've been trying to learn over the last couple of years is the, the role and power of vulnerability and how the recognition that we all have vulnerabilities. It's, it's not a necessarily a weakness that it's just built into each and every one of us. And uh, the best part about engaging in a communal way is the fact that my vulnerability may be your strength and vice versa. And so the more connected we are, the more likely we're being filled and completed holistically. And uh, that's certainly what's happening here. Uh, you've been doing a lot of work around the idea of gift cards. Um, obviously, we understand most people's current understanding of gift cards is I, you know, give it as a gift. Um, maybe I'll buy something to take advantage of a promotional deal in order to kind of front load some purchases or make a better deal. So more of a personal incentive. How does it work from your perspective in thinking about using it as uh, an investment or a way to help now and benefit later. Yeah. Um, I, I recorded a short video on this about two weeks into uh, the stay-at-home order because something clicked for me that I'd never thought about before, which is that a gift card is a loan. And I got online and you know Googled like accounting best practices to find out if, uh, if retail um, stores and restaurants are able to record that as revenue immediately. And they are. So essentially, when you purchase a gift card, it's a cash infusion in exchange for nothing. I mean, maybe in exchange for a 10 cent card or a you know, coupon code you get online. And um, that cash is what disappeared overnight when your front door is open, is that liquid liquidity to be able to pay your staff, to be able to pay your bills. Um, and a really interesting sort of concept, especially now that we've seen um, the federal stimulus package flounder a bit, and that doesn't mean that we won't get some other solutions. I sincerely hope we will. But um, one of the exciting things about the, the pay, uh, Payroll Protection Act was it was going to be a forgivable loan. Um, ultimately, they wouldn't have to pay the government back if they kept their staff on. One concept about, um, and so that that's a I would say 0%, but it's not. It's a negative 100%. You don't have to give any of it back if you follow the rules. With a gift card, you're not charging them interest to hold your cash and use it however they want. You can redeem it payable on demand whenever their doors open and get the value of that gift card. There's also um, in big box stores, and I'm not encouraging anyone to not spend their gift cards that they purchased during this time, but big box stores count on people not spending their gift cards. It's literally a revenue item that helps them plan for growth is that you never spend the last $5 of your gift card. You never spend the $10 promotional Starbucks gift card you get from your dentist. So they built that into essentially a revenue line for a part of how they make money. Um, so 
I don't, I'm, again, I'm not advocating for not using it because our local businesses want to see you. But one thing that I was going to say, Andrew, when you um, asked me to talk about giving, I was going to draw a contrast. Um, there's all these ads about finding out all the subscription services you're a part of so that you can unsubscribe. Like you don't realize you're still paying for that app that you signed up for. My um, advice when it comes to charitable giving, if you're on a tight budget, is to pick a couple of things you really care about, sign up for monthly giving, and never think about it again. Think about the organization, pray for them, work with them, be in relationship with them, but set your giving at a level where you, you don't feel the pain of it so that you can be a consistent giver. And I, I feel the same way sort of about this opportunity to engage in a gift card purchase is it's not that the day Governor Holcomb lifts the stay-at-home order, we all go get free food that we prepay yeah. for. It's that you know you're in a relationship with this local business and you can use that gift card for your anniversary in December. You can give it to someone as a gift in, in September, you know, whatever. It, it's not an urgent, um, you know, you're the collector going to collect on your bill when the economy yeah. opens back up. It's about wanting. And I think one of the messages with purchasing a gift card is I'm going to see you on the other side of this. Yeah. I'm going to see you on the other side of this. And same with giving to nonprofits right now. It's like, I'm going to sign up for monthly giving because you're going to survive this. And I want, you know, I want to be supporting you during the hard times and the good times. That's great insight. So this kind of episode is about um, trying to answer the question to our peers, really like trying to, trying to encourage, and we're both kind of on the same side, receiving input on a regular basis for uh, what should I do? How should I give? Like what, uh, <laughs> what is what is impactful um then there's all kinds of different ways that go beyond just a charitable uh, decision what are what are some of the the encouragements you have or what have you seen from your community in terms of uh really intentional acts of consumer driven you know purchasing that yeah. uh are surprising to you yeah um, so I launched a challenge, a gift card uh, challenge over on my social media for hyperlocal impact. And my, the impetus for it was um, a girlfriend had a birthday and I wanted to support the find. So eight of us pulled together, we each gave $10 and suddenly we gave her this like ball in gift of a $100 gift card. I know that eight times 10 doesn't equal 100. Don't worry about it. Um, we gave her a hundred dollar gift card. And I thought, man, that's, a really meaningful gift to be able to give someone. And I only had to give yeah. 10-ish dollars for it. And I was like, I wonder, you know, I wouldn't have thought of this before her birthday. How can I put this into something people can do? And in my mind, I was really looking forward to when it was my turn and I would get a 80, 50, $100 gift card that I would be able to spend on myself. Literally, this is what I was thinking. Okay, I, I got in a couple groups so that I could, you know, get a junk ditch gift card, get a Hop River gift card. What's been amazing to me is my thinking was all of us get to save up for our own $50 gift card pretty um, painlessly. What people have done with this has just blown my mind. Um, I've had a group where every person has given their $50 gift card to a stranger. So like grocery store, uh, cashier, mailman, and it, their criteria was it has to be someone whose name they don't know. Yeah. to like really spark that um, 
feeling of like, we're all in this together. Another group where, and I, I really liked this one. So I cut my own bangs yesterday. Every, every girl in the group sent her gift card to her hair stylist because they all are missing at least one of their appointments in a six weeks, six week period. Yeah. So they sent it as essentially a tip. Um, yeah. Another group is getting to, they're, they're pulling it. And you know, this, I think from a selfless um, standpoint is about hope and uh, relationship. It's not as selfless as giving it to a stranger, but they are saving all of their gift cards. And when the world opens back up, they're going to do a drawing and have a girl's night and really celebrate. Um, and where the, uh, I think where the energy for me has come from is something you said before we started recording, which um, I'm currently reading Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And she talks about her daughter, um, like losing months of her life when she found out that polar bears were at risk of extinction. And her and her husband both thought like their daughter's crazy. She won't stop thinking about these polar bears, like get over it. And at some point she had a revelation that we're the ones that are broken. We should be losing sleep over the fact that the polar bears are dying. My daughter is tuned in to, um, to the community, the world community that she's a part of. And I think that's, what's been so incredible to me is what I thought could just be a simple shopping exercise for groups of friends to be on Google Hangouts together is an answer to this nagging feeling that we want to do more. And maybe for most of us, um, we don't really know how, because it's not writing a check for a thousand dollars or $10,000 into yeah. United States fund. Yep. Um, we don't, we don't know what's better than what we're doing. We're just trying to survive. Um, and taking these small acts and turning them outward instead of inward um, is a level of intentionality that I think has to do with that village feeling that we're having right now. Yeah. Um, and my, um, my energy and advice and excitement is... And you and I have talked about this so much, Andrew, but like beneath the discomfort is a drive to action that will change your life. So your first feeling is I'm uncomfortable because I know there's people around me that need me and I don't know how to engage with them. Go lower, go beneath that level of discomfort, do something. You might get it terribly wrong. Oh, well, try again, apologize, be vulnerable, say, sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. Um, and then once you're down there in that place of action, keep going, keep going. And you're going to have your own idea that comes up. That's way better than anything people like me or you are arranging because it's going to be organic and it's going to be about the people near you that need you right now. Um, and, and to, to carry that, that feeling, uh, that feeling out outside of this and past this, um, so for example, this necklace, I, I bought it from Julie at the hedge. Um, and I met her for the first time the Friday before the shutdown order. And she posted this and it was so beautiful. And I thought, I know this woman, she is incredible. She's a light in our community. She does amazing things. And now I have this like super sweet bling and necklace, um, it's really affordable. And I know her life and I know how she enriches our community. And I, I want that tug to go with me. Because I have to be honest, and I had a little bit of coffee before this, so sorry I'm talking so much. Um, local coffee, conjure. Uh, I had grown really complacent in my 40-hour-a-week 
um, full-time parent, full-time wife, full-time friend, all the things. And I was getting my dopamine hits from Amazon and from Target. Um, and what's been amazing to me is the depth of joy that I feel engaging with local businesses um, is equal to, if not surpassing, the depth of joy that I feel in my philanthropy that I've practiced for most of my adult life. Because more than anything, and this is Andrew Hoffman, you know, trademark, it's not a transaction, it's a relationship. And when you enter into that level below transaction, it's, there's only good, you know, it's, it's only going to be good down there. Um, yeah. And I, I think that if we can have an outcome here where we know that we want to be in relationship with nonprofits and support them, we want to be in relationship with local businesses. And that doesn't mean you can't still eat Texas Roadhouse's amazing rolls several times a year too. There's room yeah. for everyone. Um, but to be intentional about every dollar that you spend, um, I think is such an exciting opportunity for all of us. Um, no matter how much we have or how much we um, need, you know, thinking about every dollar uh, becomes an opportunity and, and not a burden. Yeah. Well, thank you for, uh, for sharing all of that. And thanks for uh, taking a, taking a deep breath and a deep look in into your own circle and your influence and the gifting and bringing that to the table for us all to enjoy. So much of this is about, trying to move us from from intent the things we want to do the things we talk about the things we see the things we think about doing to actual action so yeah uh and to your point there's far more of us sitting on the fence waiting to be invited off the fence in either direction towards towards good things or the other thing whichever gets our attention and the influence or who's inviting us um to go on that direction so thanks for inviting your your community and sharing uh sharing with us so appreciate you and look forward to continuing this conversation at another time. Thanks for advancing it. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Grace and peace. I'm here with Andrew Smith of Junk Ditch, a local restaurant and restaurateur who uh, are on the other side of this entire story and trying to figure out how to modify their, their local business. And they've been a fixture in our community and trying to create a space where um, so many of us love. So I wanted to hear from his perspective of how they've had to change and even learn maybe how the communities rally around them and what they've had to do as a business to that they probably have never expected before. So thanks for joining me. And uh, tell us a little bit more about what you've been doing and how your team has adapted or like, what is it like being a, a small business owner right now? So our... Um, I mean, being a small business owner, first off, is tough right now. It is, it is a, I've used the term multiple times, but it is 100% a fight for our lives on the daily. Um, and so we're just trying to, to stay head above water and stay positive with everything. But we have a really good staff here that has uh, pivoted and understood. And um, we laid off a lot of our, our hourly staff and a lot of our servers and then kind of just pared down to just our, our salaried staffers. So. Those people have been helping us cook food, get everything ready, um, and then running our carryout model. Um, we had to adjust our carryout model to make sure that people are not interacting with the restaurant too much. Um, so they're not touching doors, touching the bar, you know, going to the bathroom, moving around in the space, coughing, things like that, just, just in case. Um, so we've 
uh, made our, our model saying that, you know, everybody has to call in for their, to place their order. Everything's done through credit card. Um, and then we uh, take the food out to the customer um, to make sure that they're not interacting with the restaurant or other people when they're coming in, you know, even if just holding the door for another customer would be a, a problematic uh, positioning. Um, we've also adjusted to, to um, collect tips for our hourly staff. So the, the tips that, the very generous tips that we're getting right now are being distributed to our to our staff um, and, and transferred over to them to help mitigate their costs while they're going through this this time period. Um, so that's that's been a really cool experience to see how our community of customers has reacted to make sure that we're getting enough for um, for the people that work for us. So that's been really cool. You guys have been working really hard. If you're a follower of Junk Ditch on any sort of social media, you can tell that they've been working hard around the clock, not only running the restaurant, but managing communication and those things. What, do you have a percentage of like what, what amount is business off? Are you, is it off 20%, 30%, 40% of like normal? Like give us a perspective of like what we can imagine in terms of impact. Obviously you can't, the restaurant isn't, the, the dining room is it open? Um, curious what. Yeah. So right now we're off about sixty to seventy percent. Wow. Um, down. So you know we're doing just enough to pay our hourly staff, like just enough for our salaried staff, just enough to keep them um, paid, which was really important for us to make sure that we're um, we didn't want to be in a situation where we just had to tell our salaried staff who we have a uh, understanding contract with of like you know we're going to pay you every week or every other week. Um, to just be like, sorry, we can't pay you. We're gonna have to lay you off. That, that just seemed like a, a not great way for us to to treat our staff and to to react to our staff. So um, we wanted to keep them them rolling with that. So we are down quite a bit, but we've been increasing a, um, a little bit every single week, um, which has been good. Because uh, I think that as time goes on, when when people are stuck in their homes more and more, that they're getting tired of being stuck. Um, so they're you know, coming out a little more, getting a little more food. So that's, that's helping out. Besides the increased level of public health concerns and safety precautions, are there anything, is there anything else that's standing out to you that you, you and your team are having to learn that uh, would be, that was surprising uh, technology or uh, anything new? Um, I think just like the call in model has been a little bit of a, a thing to get over top of. Um, just the amount of phone calls being called in and taken and orders being taken. There's times that we get overwhelmed just on the phone lines just to take orders and customers do get frustrated in that scenario because they can't place an order because the phone lines are busy. Yeah. Um, so that's been, that's been a little different. Um, you know, restaurants in general um, have a pretty good clean down model most of the time if they're doing their job right. Um, we do our job correctly there. So, you know, we're, cleaning down every single day with the same veracity that we always do. So the team adapted, you know, like when I think of, I think of myself, like the, the handful, anytime I go into, I have to make a run to the store, you, whether you're managing the precautions and, and trying to be as safe as you can, there's still this kind of lower level of anxiety of like not knowing what's going on, like, or who you're interacting it with or what you're interacting. Uh, so I'm curious, How's your staff doing as they've adjusted 
to that new normal. Um, is that has that been a concern or are people kind of going with the flow now? I mean, you're still interacting and going in and out of the building and handing food into people's car windows and curious what the conversation is around that. Yeah, I think that the staff has reacted pretty well, has gotten into a good position with that, understanding, you know, the new normal, the new um, procedures and the new way to interact and uh, take care of things. They've done a good job with that, almost to the point that we've, on a weekly basis, we talk about opening back up and we've come to the point now where changing back to the way things were seems like an arduous task as well, just because you're, you're in a, uh, a routine and a rut and you don't want to go back to what it was before and try yeah. to get back to that thing. Sure. One of the conversation is ongoing, which I, I really appreciate. And it may not be as new to you guys because I really think locally you guys are pioneering some of this and have been really since you kind of got the physical location up and going around shopping local and building community as part of part of the business model. What does what does shop shopping local and supporting local, you know, really mean to you guys? And has has your mentality changed much about that as things have kind of played out the last handful of weeks? Um, no, it definitely hasn't changed um, for that. Like I think it's even intensified more. Just uh, realizing what your what your micro economy, uh, how that affects you know affects things because. You know, all of these restaurants are fighting for their lives. And if you're not getting support, if we're not getting good support, restaurants won't be able to reopen. Um, you know, ones that did close down are going to uh, fight an uphill battle with that. You know, it's going to be very hard to, to be remembered if you, you know, if, if customers aren't consistently coming uh, again and again and again. So just making sure that, you know, shopping local and remembering those local small businesses because every dollar is going to count in this particular fight um so it's it is really important what is uh besides obviously supporting junk ditch and stopping by the brewery and taking a little extra what what is really impactful from the customer's perspective you know when when a call in or particular order what's what's really making the difference is it you know people that are ordering an extra meal uh tipping a little bit extra making sure that they take a growler home what are some of those little extras that you guys have seen that have been really meaningful to your team um i mean the tipping has been incredibly meaningful to the team like to, like i said to see how how our community of customers has come out to really uh support us with with their dollars that they don't necessarily have to give us. I mean, generally speaking on carryout, you don't see a lot of tipping um, mm -hmm. before this whole COVID thing, but in this carryout structure, it's just huge tips. And that's a, a great way for our customer base to say, hey, we really appreciate this. We really appreciate you guys working hard and trying to keep feeding Fort Wayne. And um, I guess the other thing too, is just the customers that have been once a week and once a week or twice a week customers now, um, in the carry out model just to make sure that they're staying with their dollars that we want you to be here when this all ends yeah. um, which is really cool well Andrew thanks for hopping on the call thanks for um, thanks for being such a an asset to our community and really um, really building community alongside with providing a service uh, to to your customers 
And uh, I look forward to our next junk ditch order at the Hoffman House. So thanks for, for all cool. you're doing. Thanks for having me. So grateful for Andrew and Junk Ditch and their commitment along with all the other local businesses and organizations and companies that are trying to survive this pandemic and doing their best while focusing on continuing to serve and love their community well. Thanks, Kristen, for your insights and your energy and your passion for this. It inspires us all to think about how our commerce and how we spend dollars can play an important role in investing in Fort Wayne and a local community. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Neighboring. We'll be back next week. <laughs>